You're listening to Angus Underground, featuring insight, opinion, and answers to the questions on everyone's mind. Prepare to be educated, entertained, and empowered with insight, news, and conversation with today's newsmakers. From the well-known to the not-so-well-known, raise your flag and join the revolution as your hosts, David, Joe, and Corbin, take you underground. Hey, welcome to the underground. I'm David, joined tonight with Joe. Corbin and Vince. Hey guys, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm great. Well, David, we're the only two that are holding down the fort, I guess. Yeah. Everybody else is on the move. Don't be jealous. It's crazy. So Joe, Joe who hasn't spoke yet. Joe is in Billings, Montana. Broadcasting live from the Billings Convention Center. The closest yes. I've ever recorded a podcast to David. It's sort of like the first time I was supposed to record a podcast as your guest. But yes. instead, you didn't have the we we didn't have the budget for the big equipment. <laughs> exactly. So, what are you doing in Billings, Joe? I'm attending Ranching for Profit. Actually, we just wrapped up uh, tomorrow. We have the final series of meetings. Just kind of tie a bow on everything, and then we'll be heading home. Yeah. So, before we ask you exactly what Ranching for Profit is, I do want to let you know I heard from one of my spies in Billings. Oh, not Kyle Shobe, was it? Well, listen, no, no, but it was another spy, but, but they informed me that they spotted you. They spotted you coming out of Target with an armful oh. of Bud Light. <laughs> did he have rainbow clothes in his hands, too? Yeah, I bet he yeah, did. Of course. Fake news. Fake news because I haven't drank probably since the last time I saw you. I'm sorry. Sounds yeah. boring. <laughs> I'm making up for you. Okay, good. That sounds pretty boring. No, I saw quite a few celebrities. Actually, uh, Nashville recording artist Kyle Shobe and occasional auctioneer Lewis and Livestock, and as well as purebred auctioneer, got him purchasing some cross trainers at Shields. Oh, my. Yeah, no, I I didn't know he was into cross training. If anybody wants the Snapchat video of me asking (laughs) an Instagram picture in my Rangers hat when he didn't know who I was, it's it's internet. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I also met friend of the program, Lance Klein. Helped him load Montana Jake. I saw that. What yeah. in the world? Were you just hanging out at World West, just loading trailers or what? I was I was trying to provide civil service. Yes, indeed I was. Actually, I had a few minutes to spare. We went to we went to Mass at St. Patrick's here in Billings and then had a little extra time before our first class started. So I was like, well, let's zip down to World West. It's the one place yeah. I know how to go. So I went down there. Ton of rain. You know how much rain these guys have gotten? Oh, it's like a rainforest. Yeah. More than us. Really, really humid, really, really wet, hard to look at bulls. And I see this guy with Kansas plates. I mean, making <laughs> me look like like really, really like oh, yeah, you're a little man. Yeah. 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 Like Corbin's height. I'm taller than David. <laughs> so, no, we've got the, the picture proof to. I'll yeah, tell you what, it won't matter if you you're taller than David or not. If you're standing next to Lance Klein, it don't matter because. Oh, man. So it was my first time meeting Lance. We talked oh, no about Yeah, no, never met him. Never met him. He thought well, I told, he's the gentle giant. He's a big sucker. Yeah. yeah. Well, he yeah. told his wife, he goes, who are these stupid tourists? They look like they're from California. <laughs> so <laughs> did he, did he give you a tip? I plan, I, I plan to get one. Yeah. <laughs> I did see a couple bulls there. Not a lot though. 
Yeah. I, yeah. I try to go back, but it's, it's so muddy there. And uh, oh, I'll tell you, what, you didn't know better. It looks like the garden of Eden in Joliet, Montana too. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy because that's normally here in Western Montana. We've been dry. It's been hot, been dry. Oh, for really? Pete's sakes. Yeah. We can't buy a rain. I'll be darned. But uh, it'll be fine. So, so ranching for profit. Have you learned a lot? Life changing. Oh, geez. A company like Ranching for Profit is not oh, going to sakes. be a potential sponsor. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> they, there ain't no way they're giving us the the plug. But I will tell you, just in terms of understanding paradigms and digging a little bit deeper into finding the reason behind why we do things and. I thought I had a reason I was coming here. I thought I was looking for a scapegoat to make some pretty radical decisions. I've found a really good network of people, found a great, great Angus Underground listener, Derek. From, I won't dis- disclose anymore, but he's reached out That's to it? me. He's used goals. Derek? That's yes, it? I disagreed. I didn't get permission with him to share anything, but it's a pretty intimate experience. I mean, it, it gives you some of the tools that in ag we aren't given a lot of times to evaluate the economic efficiency of our businesses. You know, it made me hone in on the commodity I sell. That's a paradigm for me. I don't sell beef. You know, I I sell and I don't even sell genetics and service. I'll talk to you guys about it later, but I I sell something else. I sell, I actually sell my time to people. I sell my consideration, product development, things like that. And so figuring that out has been a really, really useful exercise as I go through the process of understanding, do I want to buy this business? Do I not? Um, What that's going to look like in the future for my family? Really, really useful really useful i had i've had a great time here well i would venture to say that uh that when when you mention the term the term and the group ranching for profit there's no profit gain from the nonsense that we provide on the angus underground oh come (laughs) on this is not true (laughs) good night come on not from their perspective right from their perspective oh so how far would you say me too david (laughs) <laughs> Joe, I got to like, how far would you say our views differ from that of uh, ranching for profit? I will flip it the other way and tell you or ask you, why is it that profit has become the counterculture in the beef business? This sounds like the first thing they said to you whenever you were at the first meeting. <laughs> that's, 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 <laughs> that's exactly first thing what I, I said. Like. Are, are you sure you're in Montana, not California? Yeah, yeah. Are you at a training thing or you guys make it sound like I'm a thing is being brainwashed? Grass beef Galloway's Billings is a branch of California now, isn't it? No, 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 no. Heavens no. But we all know Vince hasn't been there. Well, I, I actually I actually I have been there. Oh Corbin, many Vince, moons ago. We can't go any further without me mentioning how bronze you look. I, I am I'm looking good. I you am are. shiny. I'm very shiny. He's edged up, looking tan. So we have a lot of bases to cover tonight. But uh, so, Joe, Joe, we're going to get back to ranching for profit on a subsequent episode. When are we going to get to? Are there any updates on the Farmers Only show? Because that's where that's coming. That's coming. (laughs) That's coming. So there is good news, great news to report. Okay, our last guest. The honorable and distinguished moneylender from South Carolina, Kevin Renwick, he got a date. has been contacted by Farmer Wants a Wife. Shut up. You're full of shit. He's going to be the new star. <laughs> You're lying. But, you well, should have lined up. This is fake news. All these single ladies that listen to Angus Underground 
<laughs> I mean, they called the network and said, hey, this is the guy. Well, this is good. This is the guy. So does Mullins, is Mullins on the outside looking in on this? No, nah, Mullins he's out. out. He's Mullins out. out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought I had the inside track for him and he's out. How's he going to take away? He can't take off selling pigs. For and he's kind of aged week. out. He's aged yeah. out. Okay. It's enough time between sitting. There's on the a reason he doesn't have facial rollers. hair. <laughs> yeah. Cause he would look old. <laughs> he's spoiled fruit. Oh, so good. Yeah. Good stuff. But, Okay, let's jump ahead to Vince as he's yes, showing sir. us that shiny brown head of his. Where <laughs> in the world is Vince? I'm in uh, Panama City Beach with all the teenagers. It's not yeah. spring break. <laughs> oh, it is spring break. No, no, spring break's over. Okay. We can actually go places without having to sit in traffic for hours. So for our listeners, they can't see us, obviously. There's three of us that are just pale as ghosts and then you've got vince here listen i've got the mediterranean skin he's got this mediterranean sheen to him i mean he he looks revitalized i feel it he's got the what what did you call the teeth earlier corbin pearly white i mean it's like white stretch i brushed him i brushed in the (laughs) in the pastel shirt i mean this guy is tropical i'm looking good and the never leaves him just the big grin he's had on his face the whole time we've been on here. Oh, he's thinking, so happy. This guy's not refreshed. I am. <laughs> I've slept till eight o'clock every morning. Eight o'clock. Man. I don't think I've ever slept to eight o'clock. Good. Feels grief. fantastic. No pocket tea either. No pocket tea. <laughs> There's a problem. Actually, that that is the main thing that got packed was uh Carhartt pocket tees. Tonight's the first night that I did not wear one. It was a formal dining night. They're headed to the luau. And That's what I was yeah. going to say. No, I have colors. I have certain colors I could wear to the luau. I actually have these colors in pocket tees. Thank you. You don't have a pink pocket tee. I do. Amy hooked me up. <laughs> it's, more an orange. it's more of an orange than a pink, but yeah. it's a lot. Yeah. Well, you look great, and I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying yourself. And so. Corbin, Corbin, you're getting ready to go on a big trip. Oh, yeah. where are you going? So I'm heading to Beef Leaders Institute next week. I'm leaving Sunday. And, um, boy, you know what? There's for, there's vacations you get really excited about. But then there's, like, like what you would consider more of a work trip. And I'm so excited for this trip to, to just learn and to meet some new faces. And, uh, and you want to talk about an opportunity. I, I think that uh, – and hopefully next week I'll be able to – next. I'll, I'll have been and, and have more light to shed on what on what's gone on, but um, just the places we're going and the things we're doing, it, it's going to be it's going to be educational, and it's and it's also going to be um, somewhat of a a break from the everyday sitting at home doing the same thing over and over again. So. Where is this being held? So we start off in St. Joseph, and we go to um, American Angus. And we've pretty much got the who's who of everybody giving us a uh, rundown on the first day. But I don't know if I don't know if it would be better for me to to go into those sort of details today or to wait till we get home and then I can go through it better probably. Yeah, we want a full recap when you get. Back. I know they're putting us. They're putting it. They're doing it. They're they're not taking any any uh, stops away from. We're going everywhere um, from Detroit to feedlots to South Dakota 
to oh, wow. uh, ST to Tyson Meats. Um, Golly. Just an incredible opportunity. And and they're, yeah, they're so gracious with it. And, uh, I'm really excited. Detroit. What's in Detroit? Um, Detroit, I think, might be the closest um, port to ST in Ohio. I'm not exactly sure why we're flying into Detroit. <laughs> but uh, I've never been to Detroit. So I'm looking forward to seeing the greatest city in America, you know, by all accounts. <laughs> Quite well, sure I, that's not it. I know you're going to learn a ton. And I've, I've seen the roster of folks that are joining you. And, uh, yeah, there's some listeners on there. It's a who's who. Man, that's exciting. That's one of the most exciting things is looking through that list. I don't know any of those people personally. I've never met any of them in person. And that makes it more exciting for me was is to go meet these people and to, uh, yeah. yeah, just to branch out and meet some people that are like-minded because you know if somebody's going through the time and going through the trouble to sign up for beef leaders institute and they made it through the cut they didn't get banished or, or told no you know that they are uh they've, they've been through the ringer and and they're yeah they've got some some light to shed i'm kind of shocked that they allowed you in i know i had some i had some <laughs> <laughs> i guess they they might be listeners of the podcast david you never know there's a few so i've heard so I've heard. Vince, did any of your kids go? I don't know if he can hear me through the no, no. coastal air. <laughs> Vince's kids. I would put it up in the level of personal career development type trips of what I'm on right now, for sure. Yeah, cool. Yeah, cool. It was fantastic. I love BLI. Big, big advocate of it. Meanwhile, Brownie, yeah, there's no career development going on here. <laughs> I'm, I'm just doing the old grind. So we're we're getting ready to start calving, which uh have you had any yet? No, no. What's the due date on the first ones? Um, I think twelve or uh six twenty-five. So uh we're well, it won't be out. very long. More no. importantly, David, what will be the ID of the first calf? Hey. Hey, no. <laughs> Thirty-six twenty-eight. He don't know this. Twenty-two oh one, because we've already had spring calves, okay? So oh, it's twenty-two oh one. You don't know which one's going to be born first. Uh, yeah, I do, actually. Yeah. yeah. She's springing, baby. It's a little Atlanta heifer, uh, bred to Jennings. Yeah, she will be the first one. But, uh, no, it's. It, I, I tell you what, you guys all have exciting stories. I don't have quite as much excitement in my life, but but we are having a lot of great ranch visits. It's so cool. So cool. We get people from all over. I want to give a shout out to uh, Michaela Snow from Crooked Creek Cattle Company in Georgia. Michaela's a good friend, good, great customer. She came out, spent a couple of days here. We had a just an absolute ball. Held a baby for the second time. Michaela has uh, a, a little baby. She's what uh, ten months old, roughly. Rory is her name, and what a great, great kid! But so had a lot of fun there. I want to do another shout out for uh, Lily Stewart. Lily Stewart. Uh, she's from Australia. She is in the middle of a three-month trip through North America. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. And and she's already she spent the first half up in Canada. I'm going to tell you what, she's been to every Angus outfit you can think of. Angus, Hereford, Red Angus, you name it. She's been there. But a lovely young lady, very, very smart. Uh, she's also a listener to the podcast. And and she was telling me all about this Rockhampton Beef Expo 
Okay. It's held every three years. I'm going to do everything in my power to be there next year. Uh, it's in May of 2024. And, and it sounds like it's the Super Bowl purebred cattle production in Australia. So I'm, I'm anxious to, to be there. And, and thank you, Lily, for sharing that with us. Well, guys, there's unbridled enthusiasm in the business right now. I'm sure you guys saw the news reports this week. Uh, fat cattle are all over two bucks right now. I mean, they are crowding two bucks. Never thought I'd live to see that. Montana sourced feeder cattle, six and seven weight feeder cattle, were pushing three bucks on Superior's Corn Belt Classic sale this week. I mean, are you kidding me? Last week at OKC, and this is just hauling your cattle to the sale barn, 527 pound steer. Brings three dollars and nine cents, uh, and it wasn't one; it was a group of them. Three dollars and nine cents, five twenty-seven. That's in Oklahoma. Yeah. That's not in corn country. That's in Oklahoma. Three dollars. Yeah. That's insane. That's crazy. No, it's it's really tremendous too. And and when you look at kind of where the nation's at right now, uh, moisture. It seems like some areas are getting a ton of moisture. Other areas are are really hurting, and and so it's uh, it's really widespread. You know, there's drought setting in, and in other areas, they've got so much rain they can't put up hay. So it's it's going to be an interesting year to watch. And by the way, since you brought up Oklahoma City, Corbin, let's go. Let's talk. Yeah, about let's it. go. Let's go. So, <laughs> so what'd you say that five weight steer brought? Five twenty seven brings three dollars and nine cents. And it's my fault. That's my yeah, fault, you, by the way. You do the math on that. It's that's. Right at sixteen hundred bucks. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So th- that leads us to a new segment that I'm entitling "Internet Idiot of the Day." And by the way, it's crowded field. I mean, you've got to really distinguish yourself to be the crowded. idiot of the day. That's what I was going to ask you: is how many heats did it take to get to the one? Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. countless, countless, and and ju- just by the skin of his teeth. This gentleman named he edged out a banker from Iowa. Okay. He just oh, edged shit. him out. <laughs> a cowboy from Iowa. And, and by the way, by the way, this was pulled directly from the Facebook group Oklahoma Cattle, which is my favorite group of all of them. It's, it's even gold. thanks for representing, David. I really appreciate it. I'm glad <laughs> it's I can, way I'm more glad entertaining. <laughs> way more entertaining than the underground community. But let me read this quote from uh I can't wait to meet this guy. Quote, I am at the point that everyone needs to strike until beef prices return to a reasonable level. Ranchers are helping the government crash our nation and economy. They should be ashamed of themselves for these prices in this economy. So this this same stooge stated in a prior post, quote, looking for four steers for $2,400. Won't pay more. I'm trying to feed people, not murder their family. I mean, come on. This guy's in a cattle group. I cannot wait. I, I would really like to be one of his customers and get to eat some of that beef he's selling. Oh, what the hell stuff. can yeah. you find for 600 bucks? <laughs> That's the math on that, right? $600? Yeah, yeah, 600 apiece. Hell, you can't even buy a bottle calf for 600 bucks. No. No. Good grief. So... Anybody out there that knows, go up and kick him right square in the pants for me, okay? 
And so, you know what? You know what's the most frustrating thing about that is he's he's condemning ranchers. Like, what yeah. the hell did we do? Don't you know we set the price, huh? I'm so sorry for enduring the the last year's drought and it for it being 120 degrees for 60 days straight in southeast <laughs> Oklahoma. It's my fault. I really apologize that we don't have I any grass. Really Joe didn't run into the sky at Ranchy for Profit. Oh, I knew that bit of was coming. He's, <laughs> He's doing probably it. leading a deal. He's doing his $5 diesel on his $90,000 King Ranch pickup, too. Yeah, amen. So, question. If if Trey Kirby's buying steers for 600 bucks, and we saw the picture. You guys all saw the picture. Those oh, yeah, are probably 600-pound steers in that picture, right? Yeah, yeah. So, if he's buying them for $600, what's he selling them for? That guy. You want to talk about ranching for profit? He's making a killing. <laughs> <laughs> Who's he? Who's he bending over? Oh my gosh! No, it's just incredible some of the stuff you see on the internet. But with that, we're going to take a short break, and then when we come back, we'll have a new segment that's very exciting. And now a word from a sponsor. Every year, you pick your replacement heifers. Some become profitable cows, while others disappoint. How can you make more reliable selections? Genetic testing. Commercial cow-calf producers like you are using Inherit Select from Zoetis. Request a call at InheritProgress.com and ask about free TSUs to get you started. Again, that's InheritProgress.com. Now back to the show. And we're back. <laughs> so, guys, um, a busy week. Busy week for uh, those in the... Angus Board of Directors, Angus Association. So they just had a big meeting in Blacksburg, Virginia. Okay, it's a, a regular board meeting uh, right there at Virginia Tech, home of the Hokies. Listen, we don't have any inside information, contrary to what people think. So <laughs> we see on the internet what everyone else sees. Hey, hey, Vince, by the yes, way, sir. if you need to lay down and go sleep, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> oh, man. So here's what went on at that board of directors meeting uh, in a nutshell, and I'll be somewhat expedient with this. So number one, the proposed slick gene that we, we had an entire episode surrounding, that gene edit was tabled, okay? Meaning they didn't make a decision. They just said, we're not going to make a decision right now. They're going to wait for more information, which I think is very, very prudent. And I've, by the way, I've seen quite a few on social media <laughs> claiming that their efforts led the way in uh, getting this tabled. But, but I would caution everyone: the celebration may be short-lived. Do not fall asleep on this, folks. Okay, it's important to you. If it's important to you to be in opposition, stay in opposition. Be vigilant because it it can and will come back later. I'm wondering if, if Vince is comfortable sharing his point of view on that because because what he said in our group thread yeah. was kind of eye-opening to me. And it was something that I couldn't – it's kind of been resonating with me ever since this morning whenever that news came out. About the the name deal? Yeah, the future of what, of what them turning this down. All it was was them kind of gauging, you know, what the uh, what the mood was, right? Oh, on that. Well, that was opinion. 
That was funny. <laughs> and this is an opinion podcast, and I want to hear well, your So the opinions expressed by Vince Santini are not necessarily those of the other host, okay? <laughs> there you go. It was yeah. <laughs> it's a facts-based show. It makes you think if that was a just a feeler deal because, I mean, how important was a sleep gene going to be, honestly? So was it just feeling everybody out to see – what everybody's pulse was on this deal or, or, and then, you know, next down the road, they're going to come up with something like a, a marbling edit and they're going to try to push that thing through because marbling is very important. We can't get that through using different sires. We can just edit it. Well, I can't get it from my sires. So I can't get it from your sires. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But no, I, I want to take the stance of American Angus on this. I, I do want to defend them. Okay. They didn't pick this one. They didn't pick the no, timing. No. This was a breeder who already had it in motion. You call me off the air. I'll tell you who it is. Okay. But it was already in motion. Um, this is Excelligen, the company that he worked with to uh, develop this gene edit. I dare say, had this been a different edit, BRSV, BVD, yep. th the conversation would be entirely different right now. Oh, I agree. I agree. Joe, what do you think? I, you know, I've thought way too much about this topic and I'm not going to be concise on it because I can't be. I think sometimes even I get confused between who the they's are. And just because some of those people run in a lot of the same circles, we get frustrated with one entity or another. I don't think AAA wanted this problem, to be honest with you. I don't think the board wanted this problem. You know, if there's a big conspiracy theory, I'll, I'll tell you the gene it's going to be. Anybody call in and disagree with me, but I, odds on favor, it's got to be feet. They could edit feet. 90% of breeders have signed up for that one in a heartbeat because, uh, you know, I, I, I don't, I think they get put in really, really tough situations. I think they made the right decision on this one. I really do. I think they could have come out strong. Uh, I would like them to come out stronger, but I'm not representing, what is it, 34,000 members or something? I mean, things are different once you get in that boardroom. I appreciate them listening to the membership, listening to all the conversation that took place, not just saying we have 17 emails that say yes, 17 emails that say no. And there's overwhelming pushback amongst the breeders, any social media platform, any phone call you made. And, and so I think that they took a really giant leap there and listening to the membership and i'm appreciative of that and i like the action plan they had laid out the reasons why they said it on there i don't have it in front of me because i can't print that stuff off but it was like boom 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 this is what we want now i'm a little ill prepared for tonight because i've been at ranching for profit but uh, i will tell you when i read through the summary of notes there's other stuff but i'm trying to ask myself some personal development questions too guys where i'm saying am i just choosing to be pissed off all the time because there's a couple to topics there that got my hackles up and I'm going to call some board members. I'm going to ask them about it. And I'm going to choose to think good first, frustrated second. That's a good personal choice. Yeah, for sure. I just want to ask everyone here because I'm, I'm curious. Let's say the next, the next thing comes up and when we start talking gene editing again, because you know, it's inevitably going to come up. It's, it's going to come up again. Whenever that comes up again, no matter what the trait is that we're trying to edit, Will this one being turned down, will this have be a negative impact on the next one? Will it be a positive impact? Will it be negative? Will it not matter at all? How is everything going to going to shake out that way? I'll tell you what, that that Corbin, you just blew us away because that that's the most insightful, thought-provoking comment that we could have had right here. I don't know the answer to that. 
yeah, I think it's trait specific. I think it does have some impact, obviously, obviously, because the membership did speak very loudly on this. The blowback was immense. It was insane. Yeah, yeah, and and we'll never hear exactly, you know, what that looked like. But don't you think it's going to depend on what it is? The next one is. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think if we if yeah if they were to come with uh, some foot improvement gene. I mean, I think there's going to be pushback on that. If it's BRSV or BVD, one of these diseases that supposedly impacts the whole of the industry, yeah, I think we've got to, as a membership, we have to think long and hard about that. I mean, I I would hope that this is just Brownie speaking his opinion. I would hope that from the stewardship that we practice to the breeding that we do, that we can eliminate those problems in-house on a ranch-by-ranch basis. Yes. I'm not pro-gene editing at all. I, I, I've i been over that uh, nine ways from Sunday. But, no, I think if we're talking about BRSV or BVD or, or one of those issues, yeah, I think, I think it deserves a lot of conversation. If we can eliminate some of these problems that, that the commercial man has, because – you and I both know we're all, all four of us know that the commercial guys not paying, you know, they're turning their cattle out in May and they're not, you know, a lot of times they won't check them for months at a time. If one of those things is going to get BBD, they may not be there to check them. If they can eliminate that problem, yeah, man, I don't know. High, high altitude disease, brisket disease. Yeah. I mean, that, I'd be all over that at it. And we're getting brisket disease in the feedlots down in Kansas. I mean, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Back to Corbin, your question, though, about what did this decision do? What was the impact on this decision? I actually think in in retrospect, they're going to look back on this and say it really freed up the board to not be pigeonholed one way or another. Yeah. You say yeah. yes yeah. on this one, and now you're questioning like each one of those decisions. Is it a business decision or does it question values or ethics or anything I think this frees those guys up to apply their unique worldview to each one of those decisions more as opposed to setting the precedent with the slick gene because then people will say, this has an economic value to me for X and they're going to try to quantify that. Whereas now that's been shut down and said, we're holding off. We're not going to participate. It's got to be something that's got a, a bigger, I don't know, societal impact, economic impact. You can add your decision tree that's appropriate. But I actually think in retrospect, you're going to look at this and say that was a very wise decision, a well-formed decision with the members' concerns at the forefront of the decision. Yeah, great point, Joe. That's outstanding. Yeah, I guess the only thing we could do, and I'll say this before, I know we need to go on, but but basically I'm putting myself in the shoes of a board member. Um, and what we're saying is that board member has the, uh, if I was a board member, and and I felt, uh, you know, rather than just using statistics, rather than just saying I had nine people message me and oppose, eight people messaged me for it. They are using their worldview. They're using their point of view. They're using their where they're at. And, and they're kind of formulating an opinion based upon or not an opinion. They're 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 using their own uh, point of view as a way to to make a decision based on rather than just using statistics. Yeah, yeah. So since we've got Joe's hackles up, as as to quote Joe, <laughs> let's talk about the much-anticipated functional longevity research EPD. 
I wish our audience could see this. So uh, it has been announced that the Functional Longevity Research EPD will be released this fall to those who participate in inventory reporting. Okay, so what does that mean? That means, or at least I, I take it to mean, if you're in Maternal Plus and you're if you're in inventory reporting, you're going to get an EPD on your cattle. If you're not, you're not. Okay. What if I DNA? Tough. No, no, you won't it's get gonna it. be no, you won't get it. That, that's my understanding of this. And and from someone who's been in Maternal Plus since its inception, I like it because up to this point, I felt like I was doing a lot of work for nothing. I mean, I was getting reports that stated the obvious. Okay. So yeah, I applaud that decision. Now, how long will that be? How long will those people who are in those inventory reporting programs get that? Probably not long. <laughs> you know, I, I suspect in less than a year, it'll be out to the, you know, general membership and every, every animal will have a functional longevity EPD. Anxious to see what that looks like. Uh, it, it did say in the notes that I looked at that it will have a, a very, very small impact on dollar maternal. Okay. And and I think we could argue, well, perhaps that should have the largest impact on dollar maternal. But as of now, it's going to have a very, very small impact. Is this just not another bullet point for the case of shit canning dollar maternal? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. If you have another tool, can't you build your own mental index of what you value within the selection criteria to develop your own quote-unquote dollar maternal? Sure, you should. Can I just point out, based upon everything I know about this this longevity EPD, this seems to have as much merit as, as anything I've heard about coming out in a long time. I mean, that's just on the surface. There could be things that, that kind of make it lose its luster for me, but... But on the surface, this seems like a really good thing. It should be. It should be. But I, I here's what I question, okay? It, I'm always skeptical on these. As everyone knows, I'm anti-science. I'm anti-everything, according to other people. But I would suggest that there's not enough data yet. There's just not enough data to really depict the longevity of a lot of these cattle. I've been submitting my records all along. Do I know which ones are going to last the longest? Hell no. What are some things that would help Brownie with confidence in that EPD? It not being implicated and not being influenced by the science? How about that? Well, Joe, you're, you're asking a very difficult question that I don't have the answer for. I don't know what that threshold is. You know, even though we've participated in, in uh, Maternal Plus since day one, I still don't have a good handle on which cows are going to last. Right. And, and by the way, as we've changed genetics, I, let me back up. Let me back up. So um, it's very sire specific. I will tell you that. The cows that don't last here are very sire specific. Jeez, I'm going to really dig myself a hole here. But I think back, this has been, I don't know, eight, nine years ago. Uh, we used a bull. I'll go ahead and say his name. Uh, Deer Valley all in. I have no daughters left. We used him very, very hard. Uh, I used him at the behest of uh, a select sire's employee who supposedly knew the bull very well and told me that this bull was going to sire a great feat. Guess what? 
By the time they were three years of age, all the daughters were gone. I had had to refund most of the, the money on the bulls that I had sold. So that's why I say it's very sire specific. I have some sires that just wash out quickly here. I have others that seem to last forever. So are, are the uh, the feed on your all-ins going to be, is that going to be factored into the uh, longevity EPD? We have no idea, right? Well, I have no idea. What if you just trimmed them and they'd last to be 20 years old? Well, it doesn't matter if they were trimmed or not. They They did wash out here. And they were submitted as such. Okay. You know, you have to give disposal codes when you. But you're just one guy. What if everybody else just trimmed them? And, and well, and, and environment. Environment plays a big difference too. Absolutely. I can tell you, I used to run in eastern Idaho on the high desert, a lot of lava rock. I never saw a bad foot. I take those same cattle, I move them up to northwestern Montana where the soil is soft. Um, the feed is ample. You know, these cattle are not having to cover as much ground. Same cattle now. You know, we brought middle-aged cows up here. A year later, their feet were garbage. Okay, that's environmental. And and so I don't know if we can take into account all those different aspects. I mean, you've seen it. You've seen uh, a bull that you've used. They've washed out quickly. You talk to somebody else in another part of the country, and they say, oh, he's the greatest bull ever. Those daughters lasted. And and so I think there's a lot of questions. Until we see the EPDs, I, I'm just going to re- reserve judgment. That's the second piece. That's the bump up. Okay, hold your hold your hate mail. Everybody doesn't have to think Joe's like some change, like baptism in the fire of <laughs> branching for profit. But I, what I, the question I would ask is what if, as a, as a member, and say there's a benchmark of like two or three years of participation in Maternal Plus or whole herd reporting, if they would have released some of that data, leaked it out to members and said, does this look right? And you replied, holy cats, XYZ bull lasted forever and you show them up as terrible or XYZ bull was really fav- was, was terrible, uh, whatever I said, the opposite. Yeah, yeah. Would that help your confidence in new traits? It would. It would. So uh, I go back to this. This is, uh, I think, a good analogy. While I'm on a roll and I'm mentioning bulls' names, okay, uh, Bismarck, SAV Bismarck. He's worked so great in, in some parts of the country. Okay, so we used him when he was, you know, fairly young sire. We used him. And I'm going to tell you what, uh, those cattle, when they reached a year of age, they started falling over dead. I mean, <laughs> Folks, I, I can't count how many of those just fell over dead from high altitude disease. And we weren't at an extremely high altitude, but that's what it was. Okay. And, and yeah, save your hate mail. I'm just reporting on what we saw. And so when that first set of uh, research PAP EPDs came out, they had him characterized. They had Bismarck characterized as a breed improver. You heard me right. Breed improver. And I pick up the phone, called St. Joe, and I said, hey, by the way, I think you missed this one. And we go back and we see it today. He's in the bottom 5% of the breed for PAP EPD. So, yeah, it's it's going to take some time. Yeah, we've got to see, let it wash that's out. what I was getting at with my question to you. That's exactly what I was getting at is are there things that could be done with new traits to instill more confidence in the membership? And for me, it would be a check-in to the people submitting the data. 
The same is going to happen when feet uh, when when other EPDs come out because it's it happened yeah. to me and feet. I was part of the research stuff for feet. They sent interns out. It was fabulous, and a bull showed up, and I said, "This is wrong. This is completely wrong." Well, let's look at your scores, Joe. Pulled them up, and they said, "Well, both of these daughters you have show up as this and this." And I said, "Well, here's all kinds of data of all the daughters I had that fell out because of this, and it yeah. was all an issue." So I don't see why we can't use our breeders as a resource in the development of these new traits to really vet out some of the bumps and bruises before this just becomes a run on the system of value, because that's what it's going to be. It's going to be, okay, we have a competitive advantage, which we should get for submitting data. Let me run these cattle one way or another and stay on the trend. I hope that's not the case, but history would tell me that's what we've done with every single new trait in the past 10 years. But that could play into why they're only releasing it to those who report the data. Sure, sure. Yep. So let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's see where this goes. I'm not entirely optimistic because I'm pessimistic, uh, skeptical brownie. But let's see where it goes. So I'm going to. I'm going to keep this brief. Let's move on to the next point. You have three pages and we're at item like number two, right? We're at the bottom of page one. So we got we to gotta roll here. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The we'll night is young. <laughs> uh, policy discussion on multiple sire pastures. Basically, what they're uh, asking to do is to parentage test and sire verify on calves born after January 1st, 2024. All right. I'm going to tell you what, that's logical to me. I don't. I don't know how in the hell you would register a calf out of a multiple sire pasture unless you did DNA How could testing. you? Yeah. How so, could you? Yeah. Thumbs up on that one, folks. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, registration naming, and we're not going to dive off into into this deep well. But basically, American Angus Association reserves the right to change the name of registered animals. There's more to it than what I thought. Vince actually came through with a little information on that today. Let's not even go there. It's I'm going to give that one a thumbs up. Uh, okay, the, the third piece on uh, policy discussion was uh, condition testing, genetic condition testing for ET donors. Okay? So you, you know the, the big sire defect bundle that you have to test for to sell semen. So they're saying that they want donors to be done this way. Uh, and this only affects donors born after... January 1st, 2023, okay? So if you've got a 10-year-old donor out there, you don't have to do it. Uh, but they will have to be tested for all known genetic defects. I don't know what to make of that, to be honest with you, because, I mean, DNA is, is so widespread at this point, DNA testing, parentage verification. Why do we still have issues there? I mean, is this, well, I, so I'm just going to guess here. That there's some stuff that's six, seven, eight generations back where the cattle are misidentified. Yes. You know, you might have written it down as she's by EXT when in fact she was by precision. Maybe they were in a multiple sire pasture. <laughs> it could be could be Vince. What we run into a little bit is is some economic differences. You know, like like you say, running all those tests kind of costs some money, but when you're only doing it on donors. What's the real cost? I mean, well, it's, it's it's another $45. If you've already done a genomic profile, which is 37, you're like, holy smokes, where does this end? And then you get charged an additional fee to register the ET calves. The silver lining is that we don't all have 45 donors. We've, we've each got, you know, a we don't. 
Right. David does. David, every cow at David's a donor. My dumb ass is flushing heifer, so I got one. That's, uh, yeah, I got a. I did ask the test. Got $150 on her before I even get a calf out of the ground. Extra. The test will not be free. I did ask that. Well, no, it's not going to be free. Nothing's free. (laughs) Nothing's free. Come on. You know, if you want to know the fundamental issue I have with this one, nobody asked, but you're going to get it, is like, why do these weird exceptions in life have to become policy all the time? Yeah. It's like, so I want to know what happened. And I know of a, I do know of a bull. I know of the heartache it caused. It happened to a friend of mine. That friend went back and, and made the purchase right to the person who purchased it. And so why do we have to have policy for everything? Can you guys just go to a CAB luau or something? We don't have to have policy for everything. So, so I, I asked a similar question. I said, who in the hell brought this up? And uh, the answer I received was, well, it was a concerned member writing a letter. I said, when the hell are you going to listen to my complaints? (laughs) (laughs) So so my goal in life is to get one complaint discussed in the boardroom. So let's move on from this. Okay. A a lot of this stuff, it's it's good stuff. You can read about it. Go to the Angus site and you read about it until you're blue in the face. But we're going to take a real quick break. And when we come back, we're going to actually get to the topic that we intended to discuss tonight. Are you looking to market your semen or embryos? Introducing GeneBrokers.com, the industry's first true breeder-to-breeder online marketplace. Whether you're cleaning out your tank or selling semen on your special herd sire, GeneBrokers.com provides a platform to showcase your genetics to breeders from around the globe. Our intuitive portal allows you to create listings, monitor inventory levels, and customize your storefront. With GeneBrokers.com, there are no listing fees and a modest 10% transaction fee due at the time of sale. For those looking to purchase genetics online, GeneBrokers.com offers dynamic sorting functions to help you narrow your search to find exactly what you're looking for. Each transaction is fast, easy, and secure. All sales are backed by GeneBrokers' quality guarantee policy for smooth, hassle-free transactions. To make your next purchase or to begin marketing your genetics, visit GeneBrokers.com, where you'll find genetics at the speed of commerce. Welcome back to the underground. Well, we've had a fun-filled time thus far in this episode, but we had a topic that I wanted to cover. It's not so much a topic as it's 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 a thinking exercise. Okay? And the question is this. This is the question I want you to answer. Where do you fit? Where does your your breeding program fit in the big picture? of the beef industry, of the Angus industry. And and what led me to think about this, it seems like more and more we hear the words maternal and phenotype spoken from the mouths of those who place extreme emphasis on terminal traits. And as I ventured further off this well-traveled path of the mainstream, I've often pondered where does my program fit in the big picture? How do I characterize my breeding program and the emphasis of that breeding program? Is our biggest emphasis on maternal function? Is it on efficiency, flushing ability? You know, I, I can't answer that, but I, I can say this. We certainly don't fit into the camp of extreme growth, extreme carcass, or, or you know, extreme phenotype, those cattle that are bred for show. And when I first contemplated this, this line of thinking, 
by the way, this happened when I was out delivering bulls, pretty remote area. Uh, producer Sean is with me, and I come up with these these harebrained ideas. But I envisioned a circle. Okay, picture if you will, a circle, and each type, each type that we're mentioning, shows up at different points of that circle as a loci. But since what does that word? Wait, wait, hold up. What is that? Let word? me finish. Let said, me finish. Loci. Let's not get bogged down here. Okay, but since <laughs> I've come to realize that it's probably more like this will really throw you off a four dimensional spectrum. Okay, can you picture that, Corbin? Four dimensional spectrum. Yeah, that's more than three. Yes, it is. <laughs> or let's let's think about this for a second. Your your terminally oriented cattle occupy one corner. And they're on the opposite end of the spectrum from the extreme low input cattle. Show cattle are probably in another corner. What I call the old school Montana maternal cattle, the old forever ladies, Everelda Intenses, you know, the Traveler 124s, those great cattle of the 90s. They're probably in a whole different corner. And keep in mind, as you're visioning this, the further you gravitate toward one type, the further away from the other types you become. And before we ask the ultimate question to each of our hosts here, let's define the different types of Angus cattle. Okay, let's just stick with the Angus. So we've got the carcass. Follow along, Corbin. Here. Uh, <laughs> here. High growth. Maternal, which is, it, it, that's the, by the way, I think that's the dumbest descriptor ever. Show, low input, pedigree, performance, and that's another dumb descriptor, and hobby. Okay? We got a lot of types. A lot There's of a types. Lot of places. Okay, and you, you think about that four-dimensional spectrum, and each of those types is in different locations within that And I would spectrum. venture to say there are more more bullet points within each one of those. You know, there's oh yeah, there's a lot more places to be. Yes. That's yes. what I was just like. Okay. I feel like Carl Sagan here talking about the universe. And I wish people could see. I, I'm using the, the hand gestures as you're looking at the universe here. <laughs> Spirit fingers. So where, where do you guys fit? You know what, David? I've actually been thinking about this. So I've been driving the last two days, and, and I've actually been thinking about this question a lot. You told me to, right? You told us to think about this. Absolutely. And so the way I saw it, and, and I didn't I didn't extrapolate into as many groups as you did, but I was just sitting thinking, where do I stand? And, you know, as I was taking bulls to commercial customers, I kind of saw myself as somewhat of a keeper of the gate, right? Somewhere where all of those things you mentioned kind of come together. And I'm here to use little pieces of each one of those and determine which one of those are are uh, are relevant, which one of them are not. You know, I'll use some symbols that are that that perform well in carcass. I'll I'll use a little bit of everything. We all know, um, not not trying to do one thing or the other, but but I kind of see myself as a keeper of the gate, the one that's going to keep everyone honest, the one that's going to keep myself honest. And if somebody asks me a question, I'll be able to answer that question if I've used that sire. And so um, I kind of see myself sitting in the middle of your little wheel yeah, and kind see? of um, taking it as it comes, right? 
Yeah. So producer Shauna, you won't be able to hear. She's just going to talk to me. <laughs> producer Shauna, where did I always say we were? Somewhere in the middle. And and I even said when I came up with this harebrained theory, I said that's where everybody thinks they are. Somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Fair. But I got I got news for them. They're not. Very fair. Yeah. Well, I'm not using I'm not using the extreme carcass stuff, so I'm not directly in the middle. Yeah, you're 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 on the uh well, let's and call don't, it the right. Do not say let's, the word maternal. No, I was gonna say you're on the right end of the spectrum, not on the left. Absolutely. End. Okay. But I feel like I feel like there's more there's more places to be on the right than there is on the left, right? Or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. <laughs> there's more places so. to be on the right than the left. <laughs> Not only in this exercise, but in politics as well. All right. I, so I think this is a really deep topic, and I I think if you stop and ponder it, ponder what you're breeding for, where you're at, and there is no right or wrong. Okay, there's not. So, Joe, I know you have a lot to share. Do you want to go with the shiny guy first, or you want to go with me? Uh, this, <laughs> listen, the shiny, the shiny guy's on vacation, so let's let's cut him a break. He's still so grinning. I'm going to sound cynical. <laughs> I'm going to sound completely cynical yes. and say, what is the usefulness of those labels? Oh, so you're asking us a question now. Marketing. Uh. Bingo. No. The only usefulness, I don't raise terminal. I don't raise low growth, high growth. I raise registered Angus cattle that were developed in the Sierra Nevada foothills of California to thrive for the commercial cattlemen around me. That's it. I hate, I hate to interrupt. Did you just say maternal? He did say it. I caught it. <laughs> That's perfect. I caught it too. He That's where we all need to be. Maternal. So we have a new marketing catchphrase. Coin the phrase. Seriously, though. Seriously. The labels are only useful in marketing campaigns because we all just raise like the the true. If you strip it down to the people I call the true breeders, which 90% of them are probably enrolled in Beef Leaders Institute and we've never heard of them. There are people that listen to this podcast. There's people that fly under the radar. They don't post. They they used to post on social media until they realize they're so damn tired and wore out. They're going to take care of their cows. They do the best that they can to post and keep people updated, but they don't have all the marketing glitz and the glamour and all the crap. They're just out there trying to produce a product that works for the people they sell them to. It's that simple. And I dial up carcass as far as I can get it for the animal that I'm building. And I dial up growth as far as I can get. And then it's my job as a breeder to dial it back when I've got too much. And it's my job to make sure that that udder is good enough to raise an awesome calf and not cause any problems, but also have optimum milk for our environment to utilize those resources. It's an animal that has enough length that can, that can pack on some pounds in the growing season, but also can have proper locomotion through the hills. It's one that has has feet that you don't notice because they don't cause them problems. It's one that, I, I mean, if you want to show her, you can, you probably lose, you probably won't win. Uh, <laughs> I hope she sheds off. I'm beginning to think it, that might be, that might be one of my best indicators of anything because they're in harmony with my environment. I mean, I think, uh, I think we we're going down the bondsman route here. No, I'm not going bondsman. I'm not going to talk <laughs> tail thickness or fullness of switch. We'll do that in another episode, but I do believe that most of this murkiness in the Angus marketing waters is done in the large part, not all, but in a large part by people who 
don't have the relationship with the customer base, who aren't actually out doing the work. They're people who are just hired to pump up the marketing propaganda around cattle. Okay, so Joe's really passionate about this topic. Yeah, but he, he hit the nail on the head when he said the word breeders. Because breeders take in all those considerations. They don't just sit there and do some math. Okay. And we're gonna get we're gonna get hate mail from somebody, right, Vince? They're gonna be like, "Well, you can't yeah. have maternal cattle because you haven't selected for them for the rest of your like." Well, what I'm, is I'm, I'm gonna send you what hate is maternal? mail. We maternal. did we did an exercise <laughs> where we said you you land on a ranch that, that has been uninhabited by humans for a hundred years, right? No people around, no people around. What do the cattle look like? What does the landscape look like? It was an interesting mind bender exercise, and I was the smartass in the back that I said, "So are those cattle maternal then?" Or what are they? Yeah, yeah. Are wildebeest maternal when they have terrible udders? I don't know. Are they terminal if a lion kills them and they're not terminal if they stay alive? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so time out. I'm going to interject something. You just talked about a wildebeest with a bad udder, okay? Mm-hmm. Bad teats. Yeah, so I'm going to go way off the beaten path now. Way off subject, folks. Okay, so my folks were here. They came to visit us here in Montana. And, and so we went out and uh, we saw the local scenery and we ventured south to the uh, National Bison Range. Okay. And there's this big bison bull. I don't know how old he is. He's probably five, six years old. Big old fella, you know. I started looking at his feet. His feet were terrible. Look at Cabela's. They got stuffed ones. They're crossing over. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> but he was getting around fine. So actually, yeah. I was just thinking about as you were bringing that up, and, and you guys said udders too. Our uh, a lot of the deer around here are having fawns, and mm-hmm. so I've kind of been paying attention because some of, that's about basically the only time they'll stand still where you can look at them. And you could go start looking at the udders on these deer. There's not very many of them that are very bad. I would say the environment has cold those that are bad. They they have, they have, but I'm going to turn it around on you, Corbin. Do you breed cattle that are as light boned as a deer? Well, uh, I try not to. Not. <laughs> about this one, Corbin? How many how many really body condition score eight deer have you ever seen? Even if they're eating out of corn, <laughs> like they reach a threshold no, and they get fatter. Not. Have you noticed that? And some of these Angus cows just get fatter and fatter and fatter and fatter. No, we've got the fattest deer. Here at Montana Ranch. I would imagine you guys have the fattest deer. <laughs> I would imagine. How many of those does around you see that don't have a phone every year? Yeah. Like I wonder if some of these wildebeest and bison and stuff, they don't they don't calve every year. Should I start trying to raise my cows to look like our deer? Yeah, I think yeah, you sure. should. <laughs> uh, I know we're way out in left field now, but uh, with that same hip and those, yeah, really frail bones. Phone yeah. calf. They seem to thrive. And you'll know now because we're going to identify our donors. Okay, so let's get this train back on the tracks here. Maternal. Okay, so so Joe Joe does not believe in any classification here. That's not what I said. That's not what I said. We need a call from, what is it, Federal Penitentiary, Georgia. Did you guys <laughs> yeah. ever listen to that? That was freaking right hilarious, now. by the way. I wish they had had 30 minutes in that. This was Joe Exotic, <laughs> but I wish they had had 30 minutes to talk to him. Yeah, so... Um, I did listen. I, I don't advertise other podcasts, but uh, what, what's it called? Beyond the Ring. 
beyond the ring. And it, it's, it's strictly, uh, you know, show livestock, junior show livestock, goats and sheep and pigs and, you know, show cattle. But uh, uh, Ryan Rash, who is one of the, the great, great junior cattle judges. I in can't the country, believe he's 50. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and Dell Hummel, which uh, Dell's a good good friend of uh, the podcast here, but they interviewed Joe Exotic from prison. My <laughs> only disappointment was I wanted to have him on first. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, he did a great job with it. And and I would would urge you if you're a Joe Exotic fan, tune in, check that episode out. But, what you need to do, David, is you need to the prerequisite of doing business with Carol Baskin on a cat deal gone wrong. Yeah. And then you have that third degree of separation so that you have something yeah. common to talk. No, about. that, that was the most amazing piece is Del Hummel had, had bought a cat. Maybe one of us can run for president and have that in common with him. <laughs> exactly. So no, I got to clarify though, because I'm, I'm, I'm getting misclassified here. I'm saying that we've developed these classifications, we've developed these labels that really are useless for anything. Because when I see some of the maternal cattle that pop up on the internet, I'm like, I don't want to be that. I'm not that. Don't describe me as that. And and I actually think your whole sphere and litmus test and what you what you call it? Do you call it a sigmoid lecture? So it's a four four dimensional spectrum. What was that one word you said? Like the matrix. <laughs> Litmo loci. Did I did loci. I say that right? Loci. Yes. Right. Yeah. No. I think you're okay. right. I think it's loci. Yeah. You guys. You guys are. I'm giving you hell, but I think you're right. I think you're right. <laughs> it is. It's kind of a mind warp like that. It's like yeah, it is. Yeah. It's, it's like Stranger space. Things. Yeah. 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 So I kind of want to hear. I kind of want to hear where Vince stands on this, but I, I also want to point out that Joe had a more judicial way of saying, like, kind of what I was thinking, like being the gatekeeper. But I really want to hear. What Vince has to say, where Vince sits. Oh, I I won't be as eloquent as Joe. <laughs> I just I don't think I fit anywhere. And and the reason why I say that is because I've I used to want to fit in a lot of those places, and then I realized I really didn't. And I just kind of want to make cows how I want them and how I think they ought to be, and hopefully somebody will like. Them. I don't know that I fit in any of those boxes. I think the reason why we don't want to fit in any of those boxes is because we realize that that there are guys that sit at the top of the hill of every one of those those groups that their cattle still have flaws. And so that's why we don't necessarily absolutely want to just yeah. Yeah, that's that's kind of I don't know. So if you guys don't mind me pontificating like Joe for a minute here, I'm going to tell you where I fit. I'm, I'm going to give you a quote. This is a quote from Cody Jinks. Do we know who Cody Jinks is? No, but I was expecting Ralph Waldo Emerson or something no, like that. No. He sings a song called Holy Water. Yeah, Cody Jinks does sing <laughs> a song called Holy Water. Look him up. Uh, a great country and Western singer. But the quote is, and this is not deep or philosophical. He says, I'm somewhere in the middle, and that's all right. That's exactly right. And that, that's where I see myself, and I think most people would see themselves there. Um, and I had this conversation. We, we've got a little chat group uh, between the four of us, and uh, I shared a story. Okay, so, so I don't have a lot of high marbling cattle. 
most of the uh, sires that we own here that we use, they're breed average, okay? Breed average at best, and I've got some that are a lot lower than breed average. And and so I'm I'm a steak snob, okay? I love a good steak. I love a prime steak. Are you kidding me? And and we feed out our own beef here, and and uh, so I I get to taste what what I'm producing. But I I wanted to add a little more marbling, and I thought you know we're we're far enough into this carcass chase as a breed that I'm going to be able to go out and find this sire. It's going to bring a little more marbling to me, but he's going to preserve everything that's important. Uh, the cow functionality, you know, those deep-sided, big-rib cows that I love. Cattle have a little more substance to them, yet they're still ultra-feminine. They're, they're real tidy-uttered. Cattle that are fertile and productive. I said, we're, we're going to find this bull, okay? So I sat out on a search. This search probably lasted a year here. And and I saw a bunch of nice sires that would add some marbling, but I did not find that one impactful sire that I thought just checked every box for me. And and that's when it really occurred to me that I'm somewhere in the middle and that's all right. So David, I gotta kinda ask you, where were you looking? Were you looking amongst yearling bulls? Yeah, yeah, yeah. These were yearling bulls. Yeah. I would yeah. say to further on your search. The only way where you're going to sit in the middle and find what you want to find is to go eight years back, find a sire that did all of those things. And according to the science, that bull is going to be behind. Yeah, he will be behind. The carcass traits say he is. No, I want to go back. I want to go back and buy precision for hell's sakes because he's below breed average now and he was one of the great marbling bulls ever. Okay. I mean, (laughs) let's just keep it on the right. If you found the bull that did a lot of those things mm-hmm. and you inject him into a cow that does all those things right, mm-hmm. do you not think the product will be right or close enough to right for you? No, no, because I, I no. won't sacrifice those those traits from the cow. Okay, I will not sacrifice that. And that cow needs to be productive. She needs to have a long history of that. Her dam needs to have that history and so forth and so on. Okay, and that's that's where we eliminate a lot of them. That bull's out there. I would continue to c- continue your search because, like we've said here before, there are cattle at every single every single person's place that will work, yeah. and, and that yeah. are that are elite. Continue your search, and maybe you'll know you'll hit you'll strike gold sometime. Because amongst the cow herd, at uh, you know you say Gardner Angus, which is as far terminal and as far marbling as you can get, they've got cows there that that would. That would absolutely knock them dead at Montana Ranch. They have to. I don't know if I buy that. I don't know if I buy really? it. Really? For our listeners out there, please do not barrage me with reg numbers and advertisements. And <laughs> Brownie's going to do his own search. Okay. All that does is annoy me. If you're not, if you guys don't do it, it's going to piss me off. You got to send him all that stuff. No, don't, don't. So I want our <laughs> listeners to contemplate that question. Where do you fit? And then I'm going to leave this big steaming plate of another question on our table. We're not going to talk about it tonight, Joe. What we can't talk about? No, we're at the end of our time, but I want us to all think about this. We'll come back to it on the next episode. Well, it's better not be my question, David. Joe looks so sad. I kind of stole part <laughs> of your question, okay? Dang it. I've been but just- you liked it. You liked it when I asked it. 
Okay, I'm ready. Is genetic direction. I'm watching for Joe's reaction here. Is genetic direction being driven by, get your pencil out, write all these down. Beef consumers, certified Angus beef, American Angus Association, AGI, which is Angus Genetics, Inc., AI companies, the seeming companies, the American Angus Association Board of Directors, marketers, and when I say marketers, cell managers, beef packers, educators, breeders, or commercial ranchers. Okay? Don't, uh, I don't want an answer right now, Joe. Wow. <laughs> Joe's wanting an answer. That's the question we're going to dive into next time. And I want our listeners, we'll, we'll put this on the community. Give us your feedback before we wrap up for the evening. And this has been a fun, fun show for me. I want to do a little, uh, what do they call that? Call out Derek Sowers. Uh, Derek, we all got your message. Thank you for listening, number one. Thank you for uh, giving us something to, to think about within our group. I don't know what the other's advice is, but hang in there. It's simply a numbers game. This year, you got eight, eaten by the lions. Next year, you'll eat the lions. Stay in it, my friend. Stay in it. Uh, Morgan Smith. I, I just want to say. Yep, go ahead. Derek, quitters never prosper. Don't quit. Yeah, stay in it, man. We've all had those times, okay? We've all had them. Trust me. <laughs> Some of us more often than others, but we've all had them. Uh, Morgan Smith, thanks for the encouragement and thanks for listening. Matt Wolfolk, uh, got a nice letter from him today. He's from Iowa. Thanks for reaching out. Appreciate you listening. And by the way, folks, so we are approaching our second anniversary of the Angus Underground. And 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 hey, by the way, this is our fiftieth episode tonight. Okay, guys, wow. fifty. What? Number fifty? Yes, fifty. How cool is that? We've lasted 49 more than I thought we would. <laughs> oh, I knew the first one would be a hit. Wasn't I the first guess? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 You, you knocked it out of the park. No, you, I was worried about the next 48. You were just hammering on MIDI and focus the whole time. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh we so, said it. <laughs> we're approaching our second anniversary, and, and I'm going to give the kudos to Joe on this. He, he's got a great concept, and I want to do this. So we're, we're going to solicit questions from the audience, okay? Just like we did last year, but, but let's have some really good questions. We're going to solicit questions from the audience, and we're going to answer 50 listener questions in 50 minutes. That is awesome. Never happened. That is awesome. Well, well not with Joe, no. Not with <laughs> Joe. If Joe gets to answer him, he's ne we're never going to get done in 50 minutes. And not with me. It's, so obviously, it's going to be the Vincent Corbin show. You won't have enough listener feedback to have a show. <laughs> Am I the only one of us that's looking at Vince with the, <laughs> with the big fat head that's not moving? Yeah, it's only oh, you. Oh, my froze up. It hasn't oh, moved in like 10 minutes, but you guys No, I love it. Fine. Hey, David, are you okay with, like, they could send personal questions, right? We'll vet it out. <laughs> hey, the more personal, the better. You know me. Well, you could make it a two-hour episode. We might have to do, like, 62 minutes or something. And, and if we want to talk about soap for an hour, that's cool with me. I'm good with soap, too. <laughs> I like soap. soap at the Billings Convention Center. Oh, yeah. When will this it's episode be? It's a little be? circle disc that big. It's like a wafer. It's like a wafer. <laughs> how, how, long do we, how long do they have to 
submit these questions. Oh, we we probably got a good month. It's it's going to oh, be in okay. August. So okay, okay, yeah. It, let's hope we make it that far, huh? Hey, in yeah. the meantime, though, I've had the steam blow off my ears on the question you asked. Yes, I want listeners to think about it. I want listeners to think about it. we're going to have a discussion. And it's going to be good. It's going to be really good. So was that your question? That was one of them. I was also the the other piece that the the tandem would be whose responsibility is it to describe these cattle? Yeah, I've got that. Yeah. Who should it be and who is it? Well, let's not answer it. I agree with you, David. I'm good right now. I'm going to eat my ribs and I got a sirloin steak nice. here right now. Out back. Nice. It's cold. Beef ribs. <laughs> or dash. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, well, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you listening through the nonsense tonight. And Corbin, until next time. Go frogs and keep it underground. All right. This episode of Angus Underground was brought to you in part by Montana Ranch, the source for balanced trade Angus, which are different by design. If you love this episode, head over to where you listen to podcasts to subscribe, rate, and review. Also, check us out on social media where you can interact with us and to suggest subjects that you'd like us to cover on upcoming episodes.